It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down I was born. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of American Loser. It is the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place. We are live, as always, at Shared Universe Studio here in Eatontown, New Jersey. On an early Sunday morning, Kahuna, we snuck you out of bed early today, bud. Yeah. I know. <laughs> he looks great, though. Yeah. Or he hasn't gone to bed yet. I loved it, too, because uh, uh, <laughs> the thing he told us was he said, uh, he goes, hey, no, you guys got don't, me. don't do it. Don't, don't say it? Don't say it. I know what it sounded like. This is, what, this is why... I, I was so excited. All right, fine. Go for it. So Just excited. go for it. He meant to say whale watching. <laughs> but he came across as, oh, yeah, my family, we all go whaling. And immediately the, the picture of, as, as you said, Dad, uh, Queequeg. Queequeg. So, <laughs> Moby Dick. Yeah, there's Moby Dick and there's, uh, you know. Oh, uh, my God. A, uh, I wish I could have saw your face, too, because my back was to you. Because I was trying to get the door open. Well, I just picture you with a giant spear going full Ahab yeah, after the goals, whale. The <laughs> oh my but god but yeah we're back here as always in a shared universe studio in Eatontown, New Jersey Mike and Ming take great care of us they really do we just celebrated our one year anniversary congratulations uh, guys thank you man. what better way to, are... uh, to celebrate our one year anniversary than uh, first of all my Dilf of a dad in studio uh, it, it, the show's better when you're here dad I'm glad well, you're here thank today. you for that a lot better we rode down together today <laughs> we had thank some Dunkin Donuts we're good to go man <laughs> we're firing them off today but uh, joining us again from one of my favorite episodes the spirit animal of American Loser was uh, in my head William Jennings Bryan. So if you haven't checked out that episode, please do. Guy ran for president three times. Would have been a killer president, but we just, nah. (laughs) You blew it, America. Yeah. (laughs) Losers. He was uh, too too much for the people, and that was his big downfall. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, not enough billionaires uh, backing him up here. But uh, our guest on that episode, one of my favorites, one of my my closest buddies, a guy I love, an older brother to me, if you will. Uh, could not be here today. So instead, Big Rich McDonald. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you. I just want to say thank you to KP, Lair, Cahoon. Um, American Loser did celebrate its one-year anniversary this week. So uh, to be the first guest on after that is an honor. I hear you, pal. No, it's a, it's a better show when you're here too, dude. So if we take a drastic I downturn, agree. we know who to blame. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, who was that drastic? guy? Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, who aren't lucky enough to watch, American Loser was on Facebook Live. And, Correct. And all over the, the world. So everyone got to see the faces behind the greatest podcast ever. Look at this man promoting <laughs> wow. the live show. Because you can right. actually still go back and watch it. By the way, you had some great numbers during that show. Uh, like consistently. Cholesterol. 13. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. right. No, like people were actively watching and very engaged. Like they were, yeah. it was, it was, it went, it went over really well. It was a lot of fun. We're going to have to do it again too because I think it works better too when we don't do a topic for that one so that way when people join in they don't feel like they're behind already. That was the only issue we had on that one. Um, now I'm excited here, guys. We got a uh, we got a great loser, another spirit animal for American Loser. There's names you know in history. Uh, everybody goes, yeah, I've heard of them, but I don't know anything about them. You know what I mean? So KP today, Burke. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much me. <laughs> like, I know he does yeah. comedy. I just don't know if he's any good at it. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> That's Larry's son, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, 
Now, Rich, do we? Uh, I don't want to say what you do for a living, but we'll just say that uh, you are an associate of law enforcement agencies in New Jersey. Is that correct? I am. I'm a uh, a member of the big bad government that keeps everyone in line. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, then this big guy was uh, a boss of yours of some sort. Is going to be today's American loser. Uh, everybody knows the name Kahuna. You know J. Edgar Hoover, right? Yes. What do you think you know about him? Hoover Dam. <laughs> we, Oops. We, we could not have written that. Really, we could not have written that. There's a reason I'm here. Um, <laughs> different Hoover, but that's all right. Well, no, no, I know. I'm just being a dick. You never watched Game of Thrones, right? No, I never did. Okay, so now I know Rich did. Um, Affirmative. One of my favorite characters on Game of Thrones was uh, Lord Varys. Remember him? Sure. Yeah, a little bald, fat guy, uh, but he knows everything. And his job title was literally the uh, the Master of Whisperers. That was his official job title. So the American version of a, a Master of Whisperer is today's loser, J. Edgar Hoover. Um, he's a great loser, I think, because depending on who you talk to, to uh, about him, you're going to get a different answer every time. Sure. But what's the stuff that jumps out at you, top of your head, when you hear J. Edgar Hoover? Well, no, you have the guy who pretty much invented the modern FBI. Absolutely. Um Things like fingerprinting all came under him where we wouldn't be where we are today without it. Also true. Does, is there any salacious rumors about his personal life that perhaps jump out of you? He preferred the company of men. Uh, interesting. It, it's, this is what I enjoy is that, uh, uh, you know, when you start a rumor and, who and, doesn't? and you, know that it's, um, you know that it's not true, but it's very fun to say. Sure. Right. Um, <laughs> Especially when it's going to piss off the, the yeah. receiver of that. It's usually about Kevin Garifo, That's a <laughs> New Jersey-based comedian. Um, well, again, we have uh, – I've said this before on the show, and it's not its not a, a joke about um, you know the, the gay community or anything like that. But we have a guy at work uh, at my job that works excavation. He's a little bit of a jerk sometimes, so we have to put him in his place. So we just call him Gay Ryan. Straight as an arrow, by the way. But he gets so mad when we call him gay that we just can't stop doing it. So. Sure. <laughs> But uh, that's kind of what happened with J. Edgar Hoover here, as we're going to talk about. Um, but Rich is absolutely right. Dad, uh, anything else that jumps off the page of you about uh, J. Edgar before we jump in? No, I just thought, too, that your whole uh, um, parallel with Lord Varys from Game of Thrones was interesting, too, because uh, J. Edgar was, you know, it, was he gay? Was he not gay? Was he was he bi? Uh, whatever. And, and Varys was a eunuch in the show. So, <laughs> you know, he really didn't have any uh, uh, sexual preference because uh, when you— Cut the man parts off. It uh, no kind of limits you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No. That, that I thought it was a good comparison too for that one here. But uh, another reason I think Hoover is a great loser is because to some people he's an American patriot. Okay. Uh, which is right. A lot of the times it's right, and that's how you know he's an interesting guy because there's a, we're going to use a word today dichotomy. You heard of wow. that? Wow, fancy word. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's it's an interesting uh, juxtaposition. One Brought might you say. by the letter D. <laughs> Die cut. Okay. But uh, yeah, to some people he's an American patriot. Uh, to others, he was the head of the American Gestapo. All right, and uh, you guys know about Gestapo, right? I believe it's a gelatin served with custard. That's <laughs> no, it's gelato. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you're right. It's a, oh man, I, I got to get off some of these message boards. I'm on then, Jesus. Um, but uh, he did build the FBI into the powerhouse that it is today. Uh, he also possessed a sex tape of an American president. Uh, he had confidential files that were destroyed the moment he died. And at certain times, he was actually considered to be more powerful than the president of the United States. I love this guy. He, I'm telling you, he jumps out at you. With yeah. the, the more details we go into here. So without further ado, guys, uh, Hoover was born on New Year's Day. All right. That's how you get started. 1895. Um, this is what Sears saying for every New Year's, Rich? What happened? New Year, new me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> new year, new 
New year, uh, new America. Yeah, what happened uh, is, is usually how I wake up every morning. That's uh, a <laughs> new man. Yeah, where um, am I? What is your name? Well, uh, he was born. Uh, now, if you're going to be a guy that goes on to become uh, uh, an integral part of the American government, uh, being born in Washington, D.C. is probably a good start. You know what I mean? That's that's how you get going. You don't have to move to the city eventually when you're ready. You are the city. Yeah, bread and buttered in uh, in Washington D.C. He certainly got a an early uh, inkling as to the way the movers and shakers operate. Uh, it's a good way. Yeah, when you grow up around it, that it's not a foreign machine to you if you're literally from. Like, there's people that hate New Jersey, but we all know Jersey's pretty great, right? But when people come here, they're like, I can't, I can't understand how you guys live like this. And we're just like, no, this is normal. It's a traffic circle. Just keep going around. That's right. <laughs> Eventually, you'll come to the exit you want. It uh, So it's pretty good on that one here. Um, now, uh, like we said, born 1895 in D.C., he attended school and college in D.C. and proved himself to be a bright and capable student. Uh, I thought this was interesting here. In high school, he found that he was able to overcome his childhood stuttering by speaking at a rapid pace. So I like to picture um, – it's like how Ben Shapiro talks where he talks so freaking fast it's because he has like a little bit of a stutter right. and speech impediment. Push through it. Yeah, so that's how he gets through this. Um, now, I thought this was interesting. He actually was able to speak at such a rapid pace that uh, courtroom stenographers were not able to keep up with him. So I just picture some poor woman trying to write down everything he's saying during a deposition, and there's smoke coming off her typewriter. <laughs> and he's like the micro-machine guy. That's a <laughs> uh, well played, sir. Um, now, this was interesting, too, because one of the things that he got uh, super into in high school was uh, the debate team. So uh, he was actually the star of the debate team. So to go from a guy who has a speech impediment, is a little bit shy about it sometimes, because that, that tends to be people don't want to talk uh, when they have an impediment because they don't want to seem foolish. Meanwhile, this guy's super smart, pushes through it, and he becomes the star of the debate team. Uh, now, it was interesting, too, because they, they also called him uh, in the, the high school paper. They wrote about him. They... Uh, the school kind of referred to what he had as a relentless, cool logic. Um, now, I'm not saying this guy was a contrarian, but he argued for the death penalty. Right, he did not want the death penalty abolished and against women's right to vote. And he could do so in a manner that people who like – they're like, you know, that is a good point. That's interesting. So you hear an argument on paper and you're just like, oh, there's no way this is going to – and then when he breaks it down and the way that he kind of explained things to people – all of a sudden, they walk out and they're like, "You're right. I I do deserve the electric chair." <laughs> so, I it's a gift. Was, <laughs> it's a gift, right? He was He's far, looking forward to the trip. Yeah, he was far from a misogynist, though. By the way, he he held women as like sacred. I mean, he was very very close with his mother, um, and then also his uh, his lifelong uh, secretary, if you will. We're going to get into her here a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, he referred to her as indispensable. So the entire the most powerful man on earth, and there's only one person that has all the the keys to the skeletons in his closet and it's his uh, assistant miss helen gandy so we're going to talk about her later um do you have an assistant at work rich kevin garifo uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> um hot little kevin not right now no i have to rely on um interns that come through not bad um well kevin garifo would be on this show however uh, the studio is not located in west orange um he checks in from now and then he right. just goes he goes hey uh, any chance your studio is relocated to west orange uh no, Kevin, no. we're still in eating. Down the hill, West Orange. Not, not up the hill. It's way too far. Right. Otherwise, the ankle bracelet goes off. <laughs> solid, LP, solid. Um, interesting guy here, though. Uh, his mother, like we said, he's very close with her, uh, and she instills in him this deep sense of morality and discipline. That kind of comes to embody his character the rest of his sure. life. Which, again, is why it's so funny to take a very moral and integrity-driven guy and say that he's, you know, a, a, a cross-dresser. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, 
Now, Hoover got his bachelor's in law from the George Washington University and was hired by the federal government in 1917 in the Department of Justice. What's the hierarchy for uh, law enforcement, Rich? It's municipality. Like, how's that all break? What's is it really like in the movies when you know a detective is about to solve a crime, and then the FBI shows and up and says, like, "You're out," and they just take it. Yeah, you're like son of a. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, because it comes basically down to. Um, areas that you cover, you know, and a federal agent ha has jurisdiction over the whole country. Um, and if it falls into a certain crime, you know, like the FBI covers, you know, murders, kidnappings, things like that, any kind of interstate commerce, um, they can take jurisdiction over a case. Well, now, uh, another one of our early episodes, which if I had known you were such a fan of the case, I would have had you as the guest instead of Joe Fernandez. But uh, Sorry, the, the Lindbergh kidnapping, yeah, that was the kidnapping was then made a federal crime because of that in order to prosecute it. Because you used to be able to kidnap somebody and then just bounce across state lines. Right. So it's like, yeah, Connecticut's not really as – they're not hard asses about kidnapping. So we'll kidnap a kid from Jersey and then disappear up into Connecticut. Well, it's the old – if you watch Dukes of Hazard, where <laughs> they, they would literally chase them to the county line and the Dukes would hit a jump, go over the river – and then the sheriffs would just get out of their car and wave their fists at them. Right. <laughs> uh, they're not, no, not yeah. state line, but a county line. Yeah. If now, you weren't a county cop, I'd get you. Now, we brought uh, Big Rich in. Again, one of my best friends here, but as a law enforcement expert. And uh, unfortunately, uh, his expertise has been brought down to a reference to the Dukes of Hazard. Listen, <laughs> I'm trying to make the, there is nothing the average wrong with person that. understand. It's for the people. Uh, and if you have seen Daisy Dukes... Oh, man. There's nothing it's average. The best. I, I got to say, with Daisy Dukes, the level of comfort that I feel when wearing them uh, and my ability, there's no restriction to my movements, Rich. And uh, if you th put things in your pocket, too, you can still fit things. It's uh, I don't need a fanny pack when I wear those. Uh, not, a, not an entire wallet, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I thought this was interesting here. 1917. Interesting year, LP. What's going on on the global scale in 1917? Oh, we got people shooting at one another over in Europe. There's something a little a little. Uh, riff known as the First World War. A, a kerfuffle. A skirmish. Yeah. A skirmish. <laughs> That's right. Right. I mean, they're killing dukes and they're uh, shooting at one another and Just digging trenches. Just a minor disagreement. And, yeah, <laughs> back and forth. But yeah, there's a, there's a huge thing. And there's also a little something called the uh, Russian Revolution going on that uh, Correct. is also putting America on high alert. Who well, won that one? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well it's weird, too, because with the, uh, the the communist thing is, uh, is great because the idea of Marxism had been around for a long time before this. But we got really nervous about communism because the uh, the, you know, uh, autocracy of the uh, the czars, you know, this this fabled kind of Cinderella like kingdom out there pretty much disappeared overnight. Uh, when Lenin came in with the boys and they said, uh, hey, we're going to redistribute your heads and your arms and your legs and your family. Uh, so when you watch an entire kingdom crumble like that, you start paying real close attention to the <laughs> shit that's going on. Especially so. at the time, too. I mean, uh, all the uh, crown heads of Europe and Russia was really like one of the first to fall. The whole First World War started by mm -hmm. uh, an Archduke uh, Ferdinand getting assassinated, right? So there was a, a little... Uh, a little riff in, in the whole Europe uh, hierarchy. Yeah. And we talked about it, too, on the car ride down. When you really break it down, uh, almost every – this is why America is so fucking cool. We're not related to any of these guys. Literally, the heads, the, the monarchy, if you will, Germany, Russia, and uh, uh, you know England, they're all cousins. So you ever get in a disagreement with your family, Rich? No, never. <laughs> never. Um, when you don't talk to them, there's so little to argue about. Things go smooth. Oof. 
Uh, poor Jimmy. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I should get him on the show. He won't know what we're talking about, but he'll be fun as a guest. Oh, <laughs> be entertaining for the world. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so uh, uh, that whole thing's going on over here. It's wild in 1917. Now, uh, Hoover, he gets a, um, uh, what's it called, a deferment, right, for the draft debt? Well, yeah, I mean, the first war, Wilson is president, and they, America finally does come into um, the First World War. Um, and although he's a government employee, rather than going off to Europe to fight the war, he's going to stay at home and take care of his mother. Because his, his mother is now widowed, so uh, yes, father he, he does, thought he yeah. could better serve the country by staying in Washington and taking care of mom. Um, Can't argue with lives that. with her, by the way, well into his 40s. So I just want you guys to know, uh, I don't have to move out for another 10 years. Right. That's pretty much well, <laughs> the clock's ticking, dude. But here's where I warn you, KP. When a man lives with his mother until he's 40, you get rumors of homosexuality get out there. No, I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I just want to have a nice hotel that uh, I can help the guests get into, and then I'll take care of my mother. And mother says that we should. <laughs> That's right. And I just sit in my rocking Norman. chair and, and custom. I'll be right back. You're also the valet. You put the cars right in the swamp. It's perfect. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Kevin That's Norman such a great Bates. movie. He, that, was, it, there's a movie? That's it. <laughs> um, so now this was interesting here. During World War I, in his new position in the Department of Justice, our boy J. Edgar was now placed in charge of – this is a great title, by the way – the Alien Enemy Bureau. And this is not – Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones are not involved, Kahuna, OK? Um, but the Alien Enemy Bureau. And he gets direct authorization from President Woodrow Wilson, who is the governor of what state, Lawrence Patrick? Uh, he was a former governor of our own state of New Jersey. <laughs> Um, we're going to work on something, too, by the way, where I want to have the Sopranos theme song play in the background whenever we do a Jersey tie-in, which that's not our only one for this episode. Um, now, what happens here that I thought was cool is that this Alien Enemy Bureau, uh, with direct authorization from Woody Wilson, uh, <laughs> he's a... <laughs> Woody Wilson. Uh, beautiful. Kahuna's loving it, man. Oh, he bought a cartoon reference in. Kahuna's got to love it. Deuce of Hazard, Woody Woodpecker. That was a good one, too. I wasn't ready for it. And it was subtle. That's why I appreciated it. Um, but now uh, our boy uh, uh, Woody, if you will, um, he goes ahead and uh, it, this is his. Uh, this is what he's tasking J. Edgar with. He's allowed to uh, arrest alleged disloyal foreigners without trial. Yeah, well, he's allowed to do that because uh, – they they passed a little something called the uh, Espionage Act of In, 1917, correct. and then that was further strengthened with the uh, Sedition Act of 1918. I mean, America is in um, big fear of this whole Russian Revolution that the, the communists are going to take over, now come over to America and take that over. You used to be able to be arrested just for being Russian. And the, the and the com yeah, yeah. And, the, and the common uh, thread on all of this is that we got labor unions that are striking, and now they're kind of being folded in with the whole Red Scare, if you will, at the same time. That if you're labor, you know, it's the industrial workers of the world uniting mm -hmm. and taking over and turning our democracy into a, uh, a communist state. Now, there's a legit Red Scare, but then later on it also gets uh, – they, they start saying, well, he seems communist. You know what I mean? Where it's like – well, By to be the like, accent. Yeah. <laughs> Dirty foreigners. But um, 
Yeah, and we have a, a huge uh, foreign influx right now, too, especially— Oh, yeah, we're well, getting and, everybody's garbage is getting sent to us. And part of this whole Sedition Act and the Espionage Act, too, is that you weren't allowed to say anything negative about the country because um, and if there was people saying that America should not go to war and were against the whole draft— well, then you're speaking negatively against the uh, against the country, and you can be arrested for that. Yeah, even if you were able to just point out something like, hey, Woodrow, didn't you run on a campaign promise to not get involved yeah, right. in he, foreign affairs? He kept us out of war was his uh, campaign slogan. On Tree jail. Seditious. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, so um, anyway, I, I enjoyed this. Now, this also simultaneously begins Hoover's foray into the violation of civil liberties uh, for the sake of national security. So when you say whoa, national whoa, security, whoa. it's okay. When you're alleged violation <laughs> of civil liberties, uh, KP, sometimes people, a.k.a. the government, have to do what's best for the country. There is you a, may not agree with it. There is a balance between uh, privacy and security where it's like if you look back on it, you're like, we let the Patriot Act happen. You know, but then at the time you're just like, do whatever it takes to not have another 9/11. You know what I mean? And now you know there's a there's a little bit too much because uh, as we're going to talk about, Jay Edgar has the he pretty much gets to look at everyone's uh, internet search history. So if Jay Edgar Hoover was, the, we'll talk about it later because he's got that. Uh, I trust him. He's a pretty interesting guy. But uh, this also starts. Uh, he's now able to uh, uh, he's empowered to essentially violate civil liberties in the interest of national security, as you said, Rich. But uh, he's also now uh, directly serving the president. And he's going to serve every president from Woodrow Wilson to uh, Richard Milhouse Nixon. Yeah, it's awesome. Right. And every president was afraid of this guy. Um, a lot, some liked him and were still afraid of him, and then some hated him and were very, very afraid of him. We're going to cover that here in a second. So information is power, uh, without a doubt. You know uh, it. Yeah, get the dirt, man, the dirt. So, uh, with help from the 1917 Espionage Act, as my father said, Hoover and his division arrest 98 suspicious Germans off a list of 1,400. So the layman's math on that is one in 14 Germans got arrested on the list. Yeah, but the way I look at it, 1,300 Germans were cleared and allowed to live here. Do you feel like they were just the hot ones? We just, you know, because we're, we're – <laughs> we just let them go. But uh, following the war, as we said, LP, the uh, the Red Scare is taking hold. What's uh, – I know you said that there's just two Red Scares. There's actually two right? Red Scares, yeah. yeah. There's Red Scare 1 and Red Scare 2. Red Fox, and just, Red Buttons. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Red Square, Red Square, <laughs> Red Scare One follows the First World War. I mean, we've had this whole Russian Revolution going on. We went to war. We sent our boys over there. Americans were killed in the war in great numbers. And now, at the conclusion of the war, uh, a lot of the unions are striking. We've had this huge influx of uh, of foreigners, especially from Southern Europe. Uh, Italians and uh, the less the less desirables, and of course, the Russians and the Germans were were always uh, afraid of. But anyhow, the, well, the a lot of it was the radicals, which, as I recall, right. are Chris Benoit, Perry Saturn, Eddie Guerrero, and Dean Malenko. Is that right, Rich? Did I have that correct? Yeah, that is. That's, that's the list. Nick, that checks out. <laughs> Plus, this whole thing worldwide is with uh, the anarchists. Uh, that this, the, no government is good. Blow it, blow it all up, and mm -hmm. start and start fresh. And uh, um, the Italians were very big on the the anarchy part of that whole thing. And all these workers' strikes. And again, the workers' strikes were kind of lumped together with the whole communist thing. So uh, let's let's round these guys up and, and get them the hell out of here. Let's de deport these uh, less than desirable uh, right. foreigners. Now I thought this was interesting too. Is that uh, 
uh, a lot of the people who were actually, because we're going to get into, in 1919, um, Attorney General Palmer actually uh, works directly with Hoover, and uh, they conduct what's known as the Palmer Raids. You know anything about that, Rich? Danny Palmer? Uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> President David Palmer from 24. <laughs> Um, yeah, in 1919, they uh, conduct these raids, which uh, were targeting, as you said, Dad, the anarchists, the communists, and the other foreign interests in America. Yeah, well, the Palmer raids really came about, too, after the anarchists were blowing up. They had bombings all across the nation. I mean, they were blowing people up, and uh, actually they um, set off a bomb in front of Palmer's house. Yeah. And he escaped injury. Uh, as well as his wife and his maid kind Which of a falls thing. right into our boys Sacco and Vanzetti. Yeah, so. exactly. Hey, Sacco, everybody, I think we're a bunch of assholes. Why don't we prove them right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me I'm a violent man. I'll show you a violent man. <laughs> yeah, whenever they're blowing up or they're sending uh, – and then it was discovered there was like 36 um, – Letter bombs, if you will, the sending out to these Wild shit, yeah. most notables in, in America, you know, business uh, heads and uh, government officials and everything else. One of which, who narrowly escaped uh, injury, was uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was the acting uh, Secretary of the Navy at the time. So no I mean, shit. there was some there was some big time people that were, hey. Uh, we gotta, we gotta stop this shit. It's true. He was so afraid of bombs that he actually made Eleanor open all his mail after that. <laughs> From the other room. Damn. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, these raids for the Palmer raids, very effective, by the way. Tens of thousands of citizens were uh, being investigated um, with these uh, methods that uh, I guess we would call them moral gray areas. Rich, is that fair to say? It's gray. Yeah. <laughs> you have to look at the results before you judge the actions. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, it's like sabermetrics in baseball, right? Very, very close. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, they could go into a, a union meeting and arrest everybody, not just the leaders, but arrest everybody. Simply by you being there was, you know, guilt by association kind of a thing that uh, you got to be one of these radicals, so you're out. I like to picture our buddy uh, Garifo um, that, uh, you know, he's at a, a union meeting that he doesn't know he's at, and then uh, the cops come in for the Palmer raids. They arrest everybody around him, and then about ten minutes later, Kevin looks up from his phone, <laughs> looks around, and just goes, uh, "Oh, <laughs> I guess I guess the meeting's over. <laughs> Do we run out of beer?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine that too. If you're a poor bastard, and you're just like, "I was told there was cake." Yeah, yeah. Half these guys can't read. That's they just go to work. They're told tonight you have to be here at eight o'clock, and then they get raided. Uh, brutal, man. But again, it's like you said. The, the originally the raids were hailed as a huge success. And then when more information was coming out, because by and the way, had the, a lot of popular support with the yes. newspapers and everybody else that, hey, oh, we, yeah. at least we're getting rid of these, these well, bad guys. Because when yeah. you act out like this, we want a response. That's the whole thing. And then the problem is if the response is too harsh, as we learned in 1916 with the Easter uprising in Ireland, uh, those guys were getting booed as they were getting taken out of the post office and people are throwing stuff out. Then they get executed with like a shitty trial and all of a sudden they're like, those were heroes. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. Well, they made more. It's kind of like Batman, Dark Knight. Ooh, the uh, the hero they deserve type yeah. thing. Ah. Sometimes they do what's what's not popular, but needs to be done. Another pop culture reference from law enforcement expert Rich McDonald. <laughs> so far, it's uh, Dukes of Hazard, <laughs> Batman, Woody Woodpecker. Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> I bring what I bring to the table here. Uh, no, that's why you're a lot of Warner Brothers stuff too. I'm, like trying to see, I'm starting to see something here. <laughs> uh, that must be his upbringing. 
Well, uh, now Hoover, um, I thought this was interesting, by the way. Uh, Palmer has to resign in disgrace. He was thought to be a shoo-in for the presidential nomination. Yeah, the initial the initial uh, response to the Palmer raids, the initial raids was all positive. They were, yeah, we're getting rid of these bad guys yeah. and get rid of those uh, – Swarthy, uh, you know, Southern Europeans and everything else that uh, they're out. But then when they start coming to light as to the methods that they used in rounding up these people, they're like, oh, wait a minute, that's really going against their civil liberties. And the other, mm -hmm. the you know, the, the pendulum flipped the other way. As a matter of fact, um, the Palmer raids had a direct uh, result of the, of the Palmer raids was the uh, the formulation of the ACLU. Correct. American uh, Civil Liberties Union. Thanks, Jagger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's. Um, I mean, I can't punch him in the face to get the little information out of him. And there. Oh man, we well, get into some of that in a second. Um, I thought this was uh, worth noting as well. Uh, so you got a lot of immigrants coming into Ellis Island, but uh, a lot of guys getting deported also through Ellis Island. So people who were caught in the Palmer raids were actually a lot of them were sent to Ellis Island to await their hearing to then be sent back out. So it's like a it's like a turnstile, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's a you got people coming in, and I always like to picture too. It's a, you know some Italian guys or whatever who came over early and like you got to come to America, man. It's great. And then as they're you know coming in, then he goes he goes hey I'll see you guys later. I'm going <laughs> we'll back. See you in two years. Oh, Check man. out the picture I just pulled up. You post that to the there Instagram. It is. Yeah, no, that's a good. Well, you know what's crazy too is that it looks like just a very innocent picture. It's a couple of guys sitting on the benches and they're all you know dressed in the the, the regalia of the time with the the, the top hats, so, not top hats, but fedoras, fedoras, and uh, the trench coat. So it just looks like people waiting for a bus to come. But these bastards are getting sent back home, man. Well, right yeah. outside the view of the camera is three men with shotguns. That's <laughs> more than likely, man. Um, also, that's where all the Italian names got screwed up, by the way. I always think this is hilarious that um, it was the Irish workers that, uh, you know, it's a, I'm, uh, I'm Giacomo Adamanelli from uh, Salerno. And it goes, hey, uh, Sal's here, guys. Um, <laughs> but uh, we screwed the names up good over at Ellis Island. Uh, now, the creepiest thing I saw. That's what uh, you get. Yeah, but it's fun, though, man. I enjoy this shit. Um, I want to get uh, going here because the later half of Hoover's life is where it gets wild. All right, but before we jump in into that, though, I, I got to bring in another Jersey connection here. Uh-oh. Because, I mean, Jay Edgar is an up-and-comer within, uh, within the department, and he actually cut his teeth. He led the raid on our own Patterson, New Jersey. I, yeah, I picked up a um, footnote of this. And that was a uh, the Valentine's Day raid uh, in 1920 where he got— now, Patterson was the silk capital, the silk manufacturing capital of the world. A lot of Southern Europeans, a.k.a. Uh, Italians, are in, in Patterson right now. And there was a huge strike in Patterson, a silk workers' strike. People were killed. The police force was called in. People were shot, and uh, a lot of demonstrations and everything. Wow! Else so you tell me, back in the day, Patterson was not a safe place. Yeah. It was dangerous. Well, it was dangerous. Wow. Not only today. Thank God we've distanced ourselves from those, you know, turbulent times. And uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but he he goes in there and breaks up the notorious uh, La Era Nuova. Uh, the New Era kind of a thing, which was an Italian uh, group that uh, ah. anarchists and. Um, Arrested uh, men spent the night in the Patterson police station, and then they were sent to Ellis Island to be deported on a ship that took them back, along with a lot of the other ones that were rounded up across the country. I just got to, into this country. I don't know if I'm coming or going. You no, know, <laughs> they were going to send some of these, um, the Russians especially, um, back 
to Russia. The only problem was, although the World War I armistice has already been signed, Russia and Finland are still at war. Ooh. So now they're sending this American ship full of these um, Russian deportees back to Russia, but they had to go through Finland, call a truce, march them across the, the frozen uh, river separating uh, Finland and Russia. It was, it was a lot of international wow. shenanigans going on just uh, to send them back. Reinforcements are coming from right. America. Right. So, you know, this whole concept of build a wall to keep those dirty immigrants out of our country is uh, <laughs> nothing new. Well, uh, Hoover is able to avoid being dragged down with Palmer and uh, finds himself promoted to the deputy director of the Bureau of Investigation in 1921. So it doesn't become the FBI until right. the 30s. Right, the Bureau of Investigation, yeah. right. So the Bureau of Investigation. Now, with, he also refers to it as his bureau at all times. Right. He never really calls it the FBI. But uh, Now, with the sudden death of President Warren G. Harding due to a heart attack uh, right around the time of the Teapot Dome scandal, uh, we did an episode on him as well, one of my favorites. Um, Vice President, they call him Cool Cal, Rich. You know who we're talking about? Calvin Johnson, the wide receiver. <laughs> Megatron? Um, yeah, his vice president, Calvin Coolidge, was sworn in as president. Now, Coolidge was prolific. Coolest fucking president ever, by the way. Uh, two quick stories about him. One was uh, he didn't speak much. So at a dinner party at the White House, uh, some beautiful woman comes up and sits next to him and goes, uh, I bet my friends that uh, I could get you to speak more than three words today at dinner. And uh, his response was, you lose. <laughs> How cool is that? I thought you were going to do the story from Goodfellas. <laughs> you don't say much. What do you want me to say? My wife cheats on me? Oh, you're always talking. Um, but then the other thing I thought was cool is that uh, – so he becomes the, uh, the president after Harding dies, then runs uh, landslide victory for him when he, run, he serves his actual full term as a president. Now, he's allowed to run again, and he decides not to because they said, well, why don't you want to run again, Cal? And he goes, well, I got everything done I wanted to do. So pretty cool guy. Nice. He was uh, prolific during his settling of the Boston police strike and was a man of high moral character. Uh, fun fact, Carrie Burke played him in her elementary school presentation on the presidents. <laughs> yeah. Another Jersey Sin connection. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, in the entertainment field. It, also true. Um, oh now, Coolidge uh, removed uh, the current director of the Bureau at the time, a guy by the name of William Burns. Um, and he had Billy him removed. Burns. Yeah, I thought uh, Montgomery Burns. Montgomery Burns. <laughs> um, but he was the current director of the Bureau, and then, but he was also involved in this Teapot Dome scandal that the America's just finding out about. Because when Harding dies, he's the most popular guy ever. And if he came back and found out that he's the worst president we've ever had, um, pretty. I mean, if you had to pick a time to die, die when you're popular. You know what I mean? Um, if I ever uh, get popular, exactly. That's right. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, due to te uh, Teapot Dome now, uh, they go ahead and uh, he has to step down. They get rid of William Burns, and there's only one man for the job. Coolidge reaches out and says, get me Hoover. Hoover would remain the director of the Bureau, which of course later becomes known as the FBI, from 1924 to 1972. He had a pretty good run. 48 yeah. years. Now, uh, a misconception, by the way. the Bureau. <laughs> a misconception, too, by the way, is that uh, he was the first director. He was not. He was the fifth. So... Um, but he immediately – this is why he's associated, uh, like Rich was saying too, completely modernized the FBI. Uh, immediately begins reshaping the image of the Bureau and he creates a brand that his men would come to be known by. Uh, what do you know about branding, Rich? Um, like American Losers got a brand. And now we're uh, talking. It's, you know, long hair. <laughs> tight T-shirts, you know the brand of what we are. It's a, it's not a tight T-shirt. It's actually a loose-fitting T-shirt <laughs> that my body makes tight. Um, <laughs> 
But uh, he's got a brand now he's going to create here, uh, which becomes the government man. Yeah. So in a time of uh, flashy bank robbers and all that other stuff, uh, he wants to have men who are beyond reproach. So he's creating this whole image of these guys that become known as the, the government men or the G-men. And they're the, the stalwart gentlemen, if you will. It's slicked back hair, clean shaven. Again, another thing they tried to say about Hoover was that, well, that's how he liked his men. He didn't like beards or anything like that. But what he really liked, he liked professional guys. And he used to fire, even if you were a decent officer, if you looked like, quote, a dumb truck driver, Hoover would fire you. So Sorry, KP. Yeah. So um, he had a Manning few beards over his lifetime, no? <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. It deserves more. <laughs> I hope the listeners appreciate that. Because yeah. he was gay. Um, <laughs> well, to he, further he, so that also fact, he fucking didn't he also f- he fired all female agents and banned them from hiring them. Correct. But he, he's so pro women. What happened? Well, it's weird. He's uh, again. He just didn't think that they were cut out to be the field agents. Women were allowed to work in the office, but in uh, kind of administrative roles, clerical, uh, yeah, janitorial. That's the, the yeah. areas they excel at. It was so like where you put them. It yes. was like Mad Men. You know what I mean? No. But uh, coffee doesn't make itself, people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it was, and we're also in the era too of the, of the Roaring Twenties, so his G-men have to look professional and, and mm-hmm. straight laced and everything else, and not Elliot run around Ness. with a bunch of flappers and uh, you know, uh, yeah, Elliot. And, I mean, all the yeah. all the mobsters, all the all the gangsters. Due to uh, prohibition. So that's the image. Now, the the cool thing, too, is that he there's almost a secret agent vibe to the G-Men, because I think we all have a fascination with that. Um, But it's the idea that uh, these guys now have the slick back hair. They wear their pretty plain suits. They're not flashy, but they're stylish. They also have at their disposal some of the best weapons training and hand-to-hand combat training around. So these guys are kicking ass. They're not to be fucked with, these G-Men. So, And he has to do this in order to create this G-Man look is to, you know, uh, counter, if you will, the very flashy bank robbers. Like, you know, it's back in the day that all the bank robbers had nicknames. Yeah. Do you think they cool. gave themselves their own nicknames, though? I don't know. I always want because there's names out here. Some of the names that uh, the FBI gets uh, involved with are uh, Babyface Nelson, uh, Machine Gun Kelly, the, uh, the yeah, not the anorexic rapper, um, the, uh, the actual <laughs> Machine Gun Kelly. Babyface Nelson. The original. <laughs> And uh, Pretty Boy Floyd, that's another one, too, gets involved here. Now, um, as uh, Kahuna did allude to, they do fire all the uh, female agents uh, and bar them from future hirings. Although, um, again, it's, it's ironic because the most important person at the Bureau was Helen Gandy. So, uh, who's at his, his, side, his personal secretary. Yeah, for nearly 40 years, yeah. by the way. A good, strong yeah. working relationship. And although uh, Hoover never married, he was a bachelor his entire life. Uh, it was... Uh, thought that when this Helen Gandy comes in and for an interview um, within the uh, within the bureau she states outright that she has no intention of ever getting married and that's when Hoover said all right you're the you're the the female if I have to hire a female you're the female for me that uh, you're going to dedicate your life to the bureau and not to your family and home yeah, life it's and between else. you and uh, Christina Hendricks right now so. <laughs> <laughs> um now, uh, I thought this was interesting, too, here. Under Hoover's direction, the Bureau became the bane of organized crime's existence, and they were effective in the capturing and sometimes killings of famed criminals. Uh, well, no for, shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you, um, Coon, did you see Public Enemies? Yes. Okay. thought it was a good movie. I, did you see it, Rich? That's a big negative. Okay. It's a solid movie. It, it holds up, and it's uh, Depp does a really nice job at playing John Dillinger. Um, 
Now, the, these guys are so flashy. They're getting press coverage like they're heroes. And out in the Midwest, they're robbing from banks, by the way. And the Midwestern people are just like, well, we don't like the banks. So I don't really see what the problem is. Right. Um, so the media is building up correct. criminals and anti-law enforcement types. Oh, Richard. Wow. Solid. Things um, have yeah, this is back way. then, though. We've <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're getting some... <laughs> the bad guys are getting some hero status in because they're robbing banks. Well, it was the bank that took the farm because we lost the mortgage because of the, exactly. the depression and everything right. else. So. Now, the key, especially out in the Midwest, was just like Rich was saying earlier, these bank robbers would rob a bank in Wisconsin and then hop over into Michigan, and now nobody can fuck with them. So Hoover starts making – he goes, if we're going to combat these guys who are literally just running – they uh, there's a, a great John Mulaney bit when um, he was talking about uh, – uh, how prolific the bank robbers were back then that they would say, you tell them it was Dirty Mike and the boys were here, you see? Okay. And then they'd spell their name in machine gun bullets. And it's a, you know, how much time can they take and everything? But uh, so Hoover, in order to counter this, uh, starts pressing that, uh, you know, kidnapping, bank robbing, all this other shit is going to be now federal crimes because now he can bring the bureau in and they're going to fuck shit up. So, oh, yeah. Um, I thought this was interesting too. The bureau's most effective man. Uh, you want to talk about a badass dude with a horrible name. Melvin Purvis. <laughs> yeah. Melvin Purvis. It's, uh, it, it sounds like uh, a mouth My friends call me psycho. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> call me Melvin, I'll kill you. That's, that's right. right. That's right. <laughs> Any of you homies call me Melvin, I'll kill you. I'll kill you. <laughs> Calm down, Melvin. Nobody calls me Mad Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so um, now Melvin Purvis here is without a doubt the most effective man in uh, all of uh, the FBI. He is actually the one who shot and killed Pretty Boy Floyd. Uh, he also killed the most wanted man in America, John Dillinger, in a gunfight. Uh, the Dillinger killing made Purvis a national celebrity. And it is legitimately thought that uh, due to the fawning press coverage that Purvis was receiving, that a very jealous J. Edgar Hoover had him removed from his position, demoted and reassigned to a meaningless post out in like South Carolina. So, little fun fact too. The, Very spiteful. Yeah, the infamous top ten list. You know, the FBI's top ten most wanted or whatever. It used to be for every city that you would have your top ten, and they said that this was a total save face move because in Chicago you got two thousand criminals, but only the top ten are gonna. So now they start ranking themselves like, hey, hey, I'm number eight. What are you gonna do? <laughs> but meanwhile, I'm moving they, up. <laughs> meanwhile, they also have to have a top ten in like you know uh, Kansas City, and there's like there's maybe eight criminals. So then there's two guys where it's like, oh, and uh, Jaywalking John. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Fantastic. Um, So Purvis gets uh, the boot, if you will, because he's starting to – he's stealing a little bit of the thunder from J. Edgar. So, uh, you know, a little passive-aggressive move here. But uh, regardless, uh, Hoover's bureau is now a massive success. The bank robbers who had constantly crossed state lines are now uh, finding their crimes answerable to this federal force. And the FBI becomes the most feared, admired, and advanced crime-fighting force in the world. Uh, it officially received its modern name, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, in 1935. So, question for you, Rich. You were talking about fingerprints earlier. What sure. the he- how, how are we solving crimes before fingerprints? Uh, you'd have to beat a witness to give you some information. Well, they do that, too. They're pretty good. The, the, <laughs> one of the rumors I heard was that Purvis, uh, when he was investigating somebody, uh, the guy lost 30 pounds <clears throat> during the interview session. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, you're gonna have to go to real old school stuff, which is where you know law enforcement had to go dirty to get mm-hmm. answers. Um, There's a yes. lot of information on the end of a billy stick. Yeah, yeah, you get the truth out of people, um, but also you just got there had to be a lot more relying on the community at that point. 
Because you got to remember, most besides these bank robbers going city to city or state to state, most crimes are committed by people who live in the neighborhood because who has cars, who can travel. So, you know, it, it was it was definitely a lot more of a uh, community based law enforcement. Which, uh, again, a weird thing, too. There's a great line in um, uh, the Boondock Saints that when uh, the cops show up uh, to the, the murder scene out in the alley, that uh, they're like, uh, this is an Irish neighborhood. We l- we're lucky we got a phone call at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, now after squashing all these gangsters and the prolific uh, bank robbers, Hoover, this is weird. Nobody really understands why this happened. He inexplicably uh, constantly denies the existence of the American mafia. Okay. Uh, it is surmised that it's a social du- club. <laughs> it's an honor society. Uh, it is surmised that due to Hoover's loose friendships with Meyer Lansky and Frank Costello, two pretty prolific mob bosses, um, that he allowed them to operate with uh, impunity. Now, I thought this was interesting. Here is that uh, just my idea on it is during this time period, Hoover's obsessed with communists. Who is more capitalist than the American mafia? Right. You don't have to worry about those guys. They love America. They're making money hand over fist. They're providing the vices we all have a good time with. You know, it's you don't really have to worry about them. Especially here's the whole thing with the mafia is uh, when they killed somebody, it was just business. All right, and they're not doing the big uh, St. Valentine's Day massacres anymore. It's not the Bugs Moran versus Al Capone time period. The New York mafia, most of the East Coast guys, quiet. We don't want a lot of attention. All right. Now they were pretty much able to uh, work almost out in broad daylight because of Hoover. He just never really put everything on. And they said that one of the things that uh, there's the accusation that perhaps uh, Lansky and Costello had uh, photos of J. Edgar Hoover cross-dressing or in the company of other men. Uh, It means having sex. Um, That uh, that was thought to be blackmail against him, that that's why he didn't go after him. But really what they're saying is more so is that uh, they had a lot of friends in common and uh, Costello and Lansky would give Hoover his biggest vice, by the way. Not, you know, and, and we should also be forthright with this. All the serious biographers say that he probably wasn't gay. And they also all dispel the rumor of the cross-dressing thing. But like we said, uh, almost like uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance, you got to print the legend. You know what I mean? So it, it's it's funnier to do it this way and play him up as a cross-dressing you know, closeted homo. But uh, Plus, I mean, uh, Hoover had both friends and enemies. So, I mean, tons. if you're... Yeah. Right. So... Uh, some yeah. people are hailing him as the greatest patriot America has ever known. Others are saying that he was the most, uh, you know, vile and evil guy getting all this information and uh, underhanded methods and everything else that uh, you're going to try to tear down that, that positive image. So that exactly. That's how they tried to counter him. But his one vice that he had that uh, even he himself admitted to was horse Chocolate racing. cookies. Absolutely. <laughs> He was obsessed with horse racing, and he would bet publicly. He would bet $2 and just say, well, responsible gambling is like this. He'd take a picture of himself holding a $2 bet slip. Um, but Lansky and Costello would tell him which races were fixed, and he would dump thousands of it. I mean, he dumped a shitload of money. Side bets by oh, having agents that actually place Which is where bet. the slur term $2 bill came from. No shit. No, I didn't mean it. <laughs> well, that's that's pretty good. I'll write that down, down no guys. Way. Put that on Wikipedia before it changes. Yeah, it's a, you're $1 away from a Limp Bizkit album. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Bureau Money uh, also, uh, this is kind of interesting, too, is that uh, the Bureau Money also seemed to foot the bill for several renovations on Hoover's own house. Um, other possible modes, like we said, for the lackadaisical crackdown was he didn't really fear the mafia. Now, there's a thing that goes on called the Appalachian Meeting. LP, know anything about that? No, you're taking it. All right, fantastic. 
The Appalachian meeting proved to smear some egg on Hoover's face. Uh, Rich, local cops uh, noticed that in this quiet town in upstate New York, that all these Cadillacs and Lincolns, really nice cars, are all parked here in the woods. And the troopers just kind of going by and he notices this, starts writing down the license plates of all these vehicles. And then they're checking the license plates. And for some reason, uh, over 100 of the top mobsters in the United States are all meeting at one guy's house. I think the guy's name was uh, Joe Joe the Barber, I think they called him. Um, but over 100... They're literally having their convention. It's almost like... Uh, right. <laughs> hey, it's great to see everybody here again. At, uh, let's Welcome get to, to GangsterCon. Gangster <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> they're so, all cosplaying each other and shit like that. <laughs> it gets real ridiculous. I, I picture... They like, have uh, John Dillinger doing a panel. Yeah, slick back hair is out. We're going with Jerry Curls now. <laughs> We're here to talk about medical insurance for our field. <laughs> but they're having this meeting, and uh, the local cops wind up uh, raiding the house, and uh, they capture – I think they wind up arresting 60 of them. But yeah. once they realize they're being surrounded, the guys – the mobsters all start running into the woods, and then the, the smart ones are the ones who stayed in the house. But um, I'm uh, sorry, but that's they're, – they're just idiots um, in, in this one case. Like how are you going to have gangster con in, in, in the middle of – being hunted by the FBI. It, like, it like pretty, come on. Well, that's the thing. The FBI was so uh, – they weren't really doing anything to them, so they had no fear. So now local cops are the ones. So it's embarrassing for the FBI that they're the top cops of the nation. But this meeting's going on, like, and they have no info on yeah, it. Yeah, the FBI right. has no idea what's going on. Come on. Well, because of this, uh, Hoover fears he's going to lose his job, begins cracking down on the mob with more attention, but still never really puts the full force of the FBI into it. Uh, now, during and prior to World War II, again, we have some issues here. Uh, FDR permits the FBI to begin what is known as a responsible wiretapping. Um, when you put the word responsible in front of something that's already bad, we tend to think that it, it dulls the point of it. But if I say I went on a responsible binge drinking session, <laughs> you know? You've said that to me many times, KP. <laughs> uh, this weekend was responsible. Uh, from what I remember. That just means I'm not From what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I had responsible anonymous sex. <laughs> there's uh, there's some weird shit going on with this woman, but they call it responsible wiretapping uh, of suspected fascists and communists. And Hoover begins to keep uh, some confidential files, uh, most of which were destroyed immediately following his death, as we're going to cover. But uh, what I thought was interesting here is that uh, some of the files that he had on people over the years, get this, Kahuna. Uh Hoover kept files on Marilyn Monroe, Walt Disney, Charlie Chaplin, Ma- Charlie Chaplin, Muhammad Ali, John Lennon, Martin Luther King, Helen Keller, and even Eleanor Roosevelt. So, also, there's one more. Uh-oh. Alfred Hitchcock had a 16-page file by because you made the Psycho reference earlier. Turns out, J. Edgar Hoover tried to get an episode of Alfred Hitchcock's Presents altered. Because they portrayed one of the bad guys as an ex-FBI agent, no and he shit. was not having it. So they they tried to change the episode, and Hitchcock got so fed up with the micromanaging that he just put the episode out with no changes. And, I, and I'm trying to find out what happened after that, but I think he got in a little bit of trouble with... Unrelated, Hitchcock eventually died. That's... <laughs> And uh, uh, here we are. This was a good moment for me, actually, because Kahuna now, the student, has become the teacher, Larry. Wow. <laughs> See, with, the, with the vim and vigor that he jumped into. Oh, that was man. Awesome. No, that was but cool. like, because I, I, wow. I knew he had association with a lot of Hollywood people, too. Like, Definitely. And he had, like, 
odd hatred for a lot of these people too. Well, one of the uh, the long term romantic partners that he had that was a woman um, that helps to dispel the gay rumor was actually um, he was banging Ginger Rogers' mother for the longest time, who was a good looking woman. We'll put it that way. There's another actress too um, <laughs> that he was also seen routine. They thought he was going to get married to her. That that was going to be the, the finally the woman that, that reels him in. But um, so FDR, I thought it was uh, interesting that FDR. Uh, allows you to spy on suspected people, and one of the first people he goes after is his own fucking wife. <laughs> yeah. he, he, he kept book on a lot, a lot of people. And I, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg of uh, who he was. Here is the best story. Allegedly, uh, here's the best story about this one. Yeah. Um, uh, Rich, talk to me. During the recon of some suspected spies within the U.S., uh, Hoover's men wiretapped and staked out a beautiful Scandinavian gossip columnist, uh, columnist sorry, named uh, Inga Arvad. She just sounds hot, right? Yeah, I would. So she's Inga. from Denmark, right? Uh, she is uh, strikingly beautiful and had been one of the only Scandinavians ever granted an interview with Hitler. Okay? I am from Sweden. <laughs> That's right. You're like, am I meatballs? Well, she was strikingly beautiful uh, to the point where um, Hitler uh, – now, Hitler's – Google uh, her, guys. Yeah. It's worth it. You yeah. weren't kidding. She's, she's a good-looking woman. Um, now, here's where it gets crazy. Um, she, uh, she actually gets called in the interview by Hitler. Uh, he goes, you are the perfect Nordic beauty. And uh, Hitler's kind of enamored with her a little bit. He says that to everybody. He gets <laughs> that's his go-to pickup line. Get, yeah. get this from the the fawning coverage she gives him because the the meeting get, she went to a couple of Nazi weddings, like the higher up Nazi weddings. And um, now she wasn't a member of the party. Don't get me wrong, but uh, she was kind of stained by that for the rest of her life here. But uh, in 1936, she was also Hitler's guest yeah. at the Summer Olympics, which was like the Nazi party's big uh, yeah grand unveiling of for the... going to have a party. You understand? Hugo Boss made us these uniforms they're beautiful <laughs> we're going to have a good time <laughs> and now's the time on Sprockets where we dance <laughs> so I thought this was cool though uh, because of her affiliation with uh, uh, Goebbels and uh, Hitler uh, in one of the articles she actually wrote fawning coverage over Hitler she said uh, you immediately are drawn into him he has kind eyes right Not all this good shit about Hitler you feel bad for him he seems lonely so now there's the potential. There's the potential, by He's still the way. Still a budding artist. It was. <laughs> right. I just want to paint. Do you understand? <laughs> this government thing got into way. So we had to pay the bills. <laughs> but um, anyway, what I thought was uh, great about this whole story is you can't prove it, but there's a possibility that she might have fucked Hitler. Okay. Why not? Now she comes back to America and she's working as a gossip columnist and she strikes up. She's being followed by the FBI. She's a feared German spy. That's what Hoover's looking into. So he's got men tracking her. So they wiretap a room, a hotel room she's in, uh, and she's having a weekend rendezvous with a – That was uh, responsible wiretapping. Responsible. Wire, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hoover just has an upskirt webcam. <laughs> um, but what I thought was, uh, was great about this story is that uh, unbeknownst to him at the time – they actually have audio recordings of uh, uh, her having sex with um, a young naval officer, an ensign, who uh, you know was there was having a steamy affair, if you will. And uh, an interesting guy here. Uh, they kept this audio tape of this this sex tape, if you will, uh, and they didn't really think much of it because Inga proved to not be a spy. And then Hoover made it his uh, ringtone That's on his cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> he might as well have because hi hi hi. It's a <laughs> So, channel a little bit of the Swedish chef. There, you good? You guys are going to think I'm making this next part up. 
<laughs> the young naval officer uh, that she's having the steamy affair with, uh, they think nothing of it. They just keep the audio until the guy gets elected to the House of Representatives, then gets a seat as a senator in Congress, and then runs and becomes the 35th president of the United States. Inga Arvid potentially fucked both Adolf Hitler and John Fitzgerald Kennedy. So yeah, that's a that's a tapey. Yeah. <laughs> so when you say Nordic beauty, yeah, she was sure. <laughs> um, but I, I thought you can't. Oh, I thought she was a real summer beauty. <laughs> <laughs> solid, solid Kahuna. Oh, you don't know. You signed yourself up for some early mornings now. That would yes, really. You're sharp here today, oh, bud. Man. <laughs> But we imagine went from that. whale hunting to that. I mean, that was <laughs> <laughs> he's waking up this boy. Imagine having this where um, you can. It, it's it just boggles my mind that uh, you have this tape of this German spy, and then accidentally you now have a sex tape of the current president of the United States. <laughs> now he winds up using this too. By the way, I'll uh, I'll mention this later. Uh, but Hoover uses allegedly, Rich. Good, allegedly, good word, thank good you. Allegedly. Hoover's that friend that's like, "Yo, guys, check this out. Look what I got on my phone." <laughs> <laughs> well, imagine now he has a sex tape of uh, JFK, and he uses it to blackmail JFK into not firing him, and using it to help expand the powers of the uh, FBI. Get the hell out of here for the benefit of our country. Uh, yeah. Well, you're in, welcome. In America. Hoover's defense, he was concerned about the Kennedys because these guys were playboys. They were fucking everything that moved when they walked in. Yeah, that's a you horrible know, way to live. Got uh, Jackie O. Gordon just woman, right? But, you know, uh, JFK, they said he had a crazy sex drive because he was pretty much on meth. Uh, he had a back injury in World War II uh, that they also said had some sort of effect on his libido or whatever. Um, he was a good-looking guy, too, man. He could, you know, you're also the, the most powerful man in the world. Yeah. So he's banging uh, Marilyn Monroe. Who, who else? He, he, there was a litany of guests that he had. Um, but uh, other presidents Hoover served include Harry Truman, who chose not to act on Hoover's plan to suspend habeas corpus to suspected traitors during the Korean War. Right. How, how do you think you could tell? Uh, can you tell Koreans in a crowd? Do you think you can tell who's Korean in America? You can't uh, tell if they're northern or southern, though. <laughs> that's right. That's the tough that's part. That's the hard part. You <laughs> yeah. really got to start talking to them to Where really get that Where along the DMZ are you really from? Uh, exactly. Um, so if they say they don't know what the full internet is, then you have some questions. Yes. Half the battle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, our other guest is here, of course. So what I'm going to do is... Uh, uh, LP, I'm going to throw to you for one second here. What do you um, – this second red scare, what's the difference between the first and the second on that one? Well, not a whole lot. I mean it, it, the first red scare got its uh, heyday, if you will, after the first world war. Now the second red scare was really after the, the second world war. We're still in fear of the communists and uh, you know they're going to take over the world. We, we are now post-World War II, 1950s. We're involved with a – a communist war, if you will, in, in Korea. Well, so like most cases, the sequel isn't as fun as the original. Yeah, well, it's it, it's really ramping up. So America I had a, a huge fear against, <laughs> um, you know, communist or communism taking over the world. A lot of these countries now post-World War II are now going to the Soviet bloc. Uh, it's at the height of the, the Cold War that uh, we're living in fear of the, the Soviets uh, dropping nuclear weapons on us. Well, we're um, very afraid of uh, the Communist Party USA, too, that that's what Hoover's putting all of his attention on. So the mob's fine, but Communist Party USA has to get beat up here a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, at least, as you said before, the mob is at least capitalist. Uh, Correct. Not, not the, the well, dirty reds. So. Well, they're capitalists, and, and their crimes are cent located centrally. They're not looking to take over the country. They're just, you know, 
extorting everyone in their neighborhood. <laughs> it's just a completely Isn't different Isn't that great about uh, uh, the Italians, too, is that they're anarchists. Like, we want no government, but uh, La Cosa Nostra must be in charge. Um, yeah, I mean, in 47, uh, the Soviets set off their own nuclear bombs, so they have nuclear uh, weapons or yeah. capabilities. And uh, That's a great fear. You know, growing up uh, as a kid of the, of the 50s, uh, you know, when you got people up the street that are putting in bomb shelters— uh, in their backyard, for fear of the the Russians are going to drop drop the big one on us. Uh, it's it's not easy when you're in school and uh, you're going through civil defense drills. Right. Where it was, uh, you know, if the air raid siren goes off, all the kids get under your desk and put your head between your knees or go out into the hallway, and because they're going to drop the big one on us. That's by the way how afraid of uh, Reagan the Russians were because the Soviet Union collapsed because they were spending big projects on these bunkers because they were just like Reagan's going to do this. It's going to yeah. happen. Now and you guys had safe spaces. Yeah, we still have safe spaces. It's very similar. <laughs> I, I hate to do this. Uh, my other guest is actually here downstairs. Can't get into the building. Nick, could I ask you just to let him in? Big, tall, dumb-looking guy. His name's Scott Brennan. Tell me, go get coffee or something or grab a slice. Of, he can come up. I just can't have him talking. <laughs> if not, the other room is open, too. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Nick. Um, so sorry about that, guest. Back to our boy, J. Edgar Hoover, here. Um, one thing I thought was interesting is he felt that uh, Charlie Chaplin was pushing communist I propaganda. I was just literally about to ask you because this is – isn't this what gets him kicked out of it's, America? It's a very weird story because um, – The great dictator, right? Yeah, I mean the yeah. second Red Scare. I mean again, this is nationwide and Congress is, is forming all kinds of uh, committees to search out these uh, communist influences within government, within the military and everything else. Uh, there's a Senator Joe McCarthy who is now <laughs> investigating all kinds of people. And um, I think it was Truman who uh, mandated that uh, all government employees have an oath of allegiance, if you will, to the United States. Hollywood is just, you know, supposedly filled with uh, with pinkos, with uh, communists that are going well, to What drama club undermine. is it, though? Right. So wait, Hollywood is filled with anti-government types? Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Wow. Imagine that, right? Um, now, what I'm I so was glad great. we got past all of that. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was great is that with Chaplin, though, uh, how is a silent film star going to be? Like, I pictured it's just uh, Chaplin's doing the Charleston, but he's got a hammer and a sickle in each hand. That's how he's <laughs> spreading his communist shit. Um, just to keep this moving here, because we got to get—I uh, know we got to get out of here. Um, but Hoover also tailed. I thought this was great. He tailed Martin Luther King, and he's the one who actually has all the images and the dirt on him for Martin Luther King's like wild sex life that he had. Mm -hmm. So. That's pretty wild. He often exaggerated the details of this, though. Now, here's where I add him to Varys, too, is that there's almost a little Tyrion Lannister to uh, Hoover. Depending on who he was talking to, he would, if he wanted to make someone mad at someone else, he would spread a rumor. So he spread a rumor to Jackie Onassis, or, or at the time Jackie Kennedy, um, that uh, he spread a rumor to her and to RFK, Robert, uh, after JFK was killed. He goes, oh, yeah. Martin Luther King had some choice words, said he deserved to get killed, and he can't believe it didn't happen uh, sooner. And then that kind of put the Kennedy. Now, what's crazy, though, is that Martin Luther King, he was nervous. Uh, uh, Hoover was more nervous about the Black Panther Party. But with Martin Luther King, with that whole crew down in Selma, the reason that they didn't like the FBI is because they thought they didn't have enough black agents. They actually wanted to be more peaceful with this. Hoover wasn't having it. So um, he actually supposedly um, sent a, uh, a blackmail letter. Uh, extorting, if you will, Martin Luther King, encouraging him to kill himself before these tapes come to light. So he yeah, had some serious dirt on yeah. MLK. Wow. Uh, and to Hoover's mindset, too, anytime you had 
any type of demonstration, whether it's a civil rights demonstration, whether it's a workers' strike or anything, it all had um, pinko communist kind of overtones that uh, if you're having a demonstration against the government um, for civil rights or whatever, that you need to be watched and let's gather, let's gather in some dirt on this yeah. guy that we can keep him in control. Um, now, another thing, too, just to hit here is that being a, a moral figure uh, in the – this is the coolest story about him. Uh, it's hard to top the JFK one, but this is how good this was. So um, whenever he went to a, a congressional hearing or had a meeting of some sort, Hoover would walk in. This is the greatest fuck you move ever. Everybody was so afraid of him because he had dirt on everybody. So Hoover would sit down, make his request for more funding or an expansion of power for the FBI or whatever he needed to do. And during these meetings, he would just reach into his pocket take out a little black leather book and put it out on the table in front of him. And every senator's like, uh, what's, what's in the book? What does he know? What does he know? Like, he's pretty much, he would come up to me it. and he'd be like, he'd be like so, uh, KP, um, I was wondering if you could help me out with moving next week. I know you have a pickup truck and, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying anything, but uh, let's just say uh, you're going to do it for free or everyone's going to know that you like Busty Latina 7. And, uh, you just have to help the guy move. <laughs> you do have to help the guy Why move. Why not six or five? Those are the better ones. Well, uh, I, it's tough because if you jump right in at seven, you miss all the plot development in three oh, and okay. four. But um, <laughs> A lot of unanswered questions. So um, anyhow, uh, I thought so, that was great. That's his great move here. Now, one theory like we talked about. Yeah, too, the black book of they start, uh, who knows what. Yeah. So now because they're all afraid of him, uh, they start spreading rumors about him trying to find dirt on this guy. Like, oh, well, he's got the dirt on us. Let's find some dirt on him. I need a black book. So there's the rumors of uh, the cross-dressing thing. That, By the way, the woman who uh, fed that rumor, um, she was later discredited as a perjurer. So Yeah, she served time for that. Did she? Not for that, for perjury. Yeah, Not for that yeah, so, incident. That yeah. was just a rumor she spread. So yeah, she, she was, was a, a wackadoo. Absolutely. <laughs> um, other stuff, too, is that uh, uh, they would try to say all the time that he was gay uh, with um, his second-in-command, Clyde Tolson, who, if you want a, a guy with, like, a face, like, carved out of granite, this guy looks like... He's a tough-looking dude, man. Well, his middle name was Smithers, but <laughs> that, that has nothing to do with Was it story. really? No, dude, I, believe, I totally believe that Smithers. Because <laughs> well, that's the thing is that they're so uh, the genius of the Simpsons is that Millhouse is uh, named after Richard Nixon. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, um, the officials uh, were all afraid of him. And uh, now these rumors were coming out here that he was gay with uh, Clyde Tolson. Really, they were more so brothers. They would have uh, dinner together all the time. They were always uh, kind of – they. Their could love. That, yeah. Could you let the listeners know who Clay Tolson is? His second in command okay, for the FBI. Right, okay, yeah. right. Who literally, they, the two of them were gay, but for the FBI. You know what I mean? That's, right. that's what they want. Right. They, they were straight guys who were gay for the FBI. Um, but uh, it was really cool on this stuff. Um, now, again, none of these rumors ever got substantiated that he dressed in drag or that he would be holding hands with uh, Clyde Tolson. Um, or, you know, again, really what a lot of the biographers say is that it's more likely that he just was an asexual type person, that he, he didn't have any sexual desire or anything like that. So there was nothing to play on. So it's terrifying when this guy has all the dirt on you and there's no dirt on him. So you have to make shit up to try to even the scales. Um, because of his confiscation of pornography, it is yeah. also alleged that J. Edgar Hoover had the world's largest pornography collection. Yeah. Any agent that came in with any kind of pornography in a case had to forward it up to Hoover. <laughs> Which I'm like, all right. Um, which uh, so either he loved it or hated it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's one of those things where. Uh, by the way, there is we found this out. There is a Marilyn Monroe sex tape out there, um, 
but it is purchased by some billionaire for like $150 million. He bought it, and it'll never see the light of day. It's to protect her legacy or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I want to watch that and listen to Candle in the Wind at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Just putting it out there. Oh, Elton. (laughs) How dare you talk about my woman like that? That was not cool. I can't. There's a... Uh, imagine telling JFK, you're like, uh, uh, do you know that there's a, a sex tape of you and uh, you and a woman out there? Ah, oh, shit. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> From 20 years ago. Now, uh, again, spreading rumors like this is helping to hurt Hoover's reputation. This is their kind of way of pushing back here. One such celebrity was author uh, Truman Capote. Okay, and uh, he was a deep enemy of Hoover's. He's he hated worst. him. And uh, he admitted, by the way, that he didn't care to prove the rumors right, which is funny because he was a true crime novelist. Um, at times, I should say. He wrote in cold blood. Um, but uh, he didn't care or do the detective work whether or not he needed to prove the rumors right, only that he knew that they made Hoover angry because right. Hoover would hunt down anybody who called him gay. He goes, like, oh. Yeah. yeah, got the reaction. So, uh, again, all this has been widely debunked by his biographers uh, who point to the several female relationships he had. They dismissed the gay relationship with uh, Tolson as a uh, rumor mill shit. Um, and then the, the cross-dressing room was pretty funny. Let's be honest. There's that great um, – We're not so far out there. Yeah. Well, there's a great joke in uh, Naked Gun 33 and a third that when Frank Drebin has to retire from the you know, police squad, they put his gun and his handcuffs and his tie up there on the wall. And then as they're walking away, you see the other law enforcement where it's uh, Wyatt Earp's cowboy hat and his guns. Uh, and then they go over to J. Edgar Hoover and it's a pair of fishnets. <laughs> so – uh, in the finality here, uh, Hoover was attempted to be ousted by Truman, JFK, LBJ, and finally by Richard Nixon. Nixon was uh, – he was actually a friend of Hoover's, but he was still afraid of him. Uh, and he was hyper-paranoid to begin with. He actually bugged the entire White House. There's uh, – the Nixon tapes are pretty pretty wild shit was going yeah. on in there. Um, but uh, – he was very paranoid and much like his predecessors, realized that you do want to fire Hoover to get him out of here, but your fear of reprisal against him yeah. is wild. It's like you guys can't fire Garifo because you know he's going to come in with a gun. No, no. He, he, <laughs> and he's got information on me. <laughs> let's, let's call that like it is. You think JFK is bad. There's information out there I do not want shared. <laughs> I, I didn't even think of it. I have dirt on you. You have more dirt on me though. That's uh, Let's just say one day I, uh, I, I was having a really good time at Rich's house. Uh, and I woke mm-hmm. up on the couch and didn't know where I was, and I walked over to what I thought was the bathroom and puked. It was Everywhere. actually his bar. <laughs> I puked all over his bar. And I cleaned everything up. I was so embarrassed. And uh, in my haste, I think I forgot a piece. And, uh, and I think the dog a found section. it a couple days there later. Was a section. Uh, a section. <laughs> there was a section. I'm the worst. Why are you friends with me? <laughs> I don't know. It's just to get exposed to these uh, – Popular podcasts, I guess. That's the thing. <laughs> That's the media exposure I'm getting from today. Let me tell you, your star is on the rise, Richard Q. Um, now Nixon backs down from firing him in 1972, and get this: this is this is I, I guess this is irony. Um, instead, he fires Bill Sullivan, who was a, an ambitious Hoover underling that was after Hoover's job. Nixon kind of played like, "I'll do you a favor. I'll get rid of the Sullivan guy that's trying to take your uh, job here." And instead, they hire um, uh, to replace Sullivan. They hire a guy by the name of Mark Felt. Um, do you know anything about Mark Felt, Kahuna? No. Name doesn't even ring Do you know well. anything about Mark Felt? It's Richard? negative. Uh, well, Mark Felt is his real name, but he's more famously known later as Deep Throat. Oh, I thought you said Dirk Diggler. <laughs> <laughs> that would 
That is so awesome. Um, Deep Throat, yes. So that is the guy who literally ended Nixon's career via the Watergate scandal. So that was that whole crazy. So it's ironic that as a favor to try to preserve his presidency, he winds up hiring the guy who essentially takes him down. Um, but uh, yeah, Nixon's uh, his decision to get rid of Hoover uh, it weighed on him heavily. But then the problem kind of solved itself. Hoover dies May second, nineteen seventy two. Nixon immediately. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Yeah. I was watching this documentary. They're literally showing Nixon speaking at his funeral, but you, they're also saying, like, oh, oh, what a moral man he was, and J. Edgar Hoover represented the best of America, and we've lost a true hero today. Within moments of his death, Nixon had Secret Service at the guy's house trying to find the confidential files. Kind of like of the scene in The Godfather, right? When they're at the, uh, at yeah. the christening. In the name of the Father. All these people are getting whacked in the back. Do you deny Satan? <laughs> I do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're going nuts, man. And this is how uber loyal Mrs. Helen Gandy was. She's absolutely right uh, when she said no, that she didn't want Mrs. to— Mrs. Miss, I'm sorry, Miss, Miss. Helen Gandy. Correct. Yeah. Correct. You're right on that one. Our, uh, so— uh, this chick, Helen. Um, <laughs> and he would never call her Helen. He was always referred Miss to her as Miss Candy. Yes. And uh, she was so dedicated to her job and dedicated to Hoover that she burned all the files, destroyed almost everything. We will never know. All right. Well, his secret files. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the line? It was uh, uh, three can keep a secret if two are dead. That's right. Well, uh, that one worked out here pretty good. So. Gandhi goes uh, – she follows her longstanding orders, destroys the files. Uh, Nixon never gets a hold of it. And uh, it's weird though because Hoover's reputation remains a conflicted one. He was uh, incredibly effective in his duties with the FBI. Um, now the FBI, as we all know, is just uh, – you know they went from chasing down bank robbers to making sure we didn't make duplicate VHSs of the Scooby-Doo mysteries. Um, but uh, the man who built the FBI from nothing to become the top law enforcement agency in the world leaves behind a legacy of secrecy. His power as director was so feared that upon his death, Congress reined in the limit of the powers of future directors. You know you fucked up when they have to put a term limit on you afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> when the next guy comes in, we're like, we don't want you to be him. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's like when uh, when you guys hired Garifo, you were just like, listen, uh, you, you, can have, you can have three beers during work, but no more. Do you no understand? More. There's <laughs> rules here. That's right. We have Every limits. rules are a result of someone's actions. Uh, b- by the way, one of my favorite gigs I ever, I won't say which concert hall I work in in uh, South Jersey. I work uh, doing roadie work every now and then. Um, but one of the funniest arguments I've ever heard is uh, – one of the guys walks into the roadie room and he goes, guys, I told you, you can't smoke pot in the roadie room. Go outside. (laughs) (laughs) Rules for a reason. (laughs) So they they put this, uh, and that's a true thing, by the way, too. There's now a 10-year limit on being the uh, director, and uh, we seem to be going through directors a lot lately. (laughs) Poor Comey. I thought it was an interesting, (laughs) (laughs) during, uh, for the next six years it will be. I thought it was an interesting side note, too, with uh, Miss Gandy. That uh, Tolson, his number one assistant and his personal secretary, had longstanding orders to burn all of his "quote unquote" personal letters, which yes. was all the dirt that he had on, you know, a vast amounts of people. I mean, um, when Nixon sent in his people to gather up all of this information, they couldn't find anything within Hoover's office because all of his personal letters were filed in Miss Gandy's office. No shit. And then never had opportunity to confiscate all of that. And um, Tolson was made the immediate um, temporary director of the FBI, and they wouldn't let anybody else into those into her offices for another week until she had time to go through it all, bring it back to to the house, 
and destroy all of the all of those records. So I mean, they had. Uh, There's a term, by the way, called uh, Kuhn. Are you familiar with this term, uh, porn buddies? All right. It's a. Uh, what it is is that uh, if your porn buddy is your friend that you trust with, that when you die, they rush to your house, delete your browser history, and then get rid of all your porn. <laughs> so it's it's like a, a pinky swear, like a <laughs> pinky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mine is Garifo. Uh, so Garifo's going to come to my house. He's getting a lot of shout outs this yeah, week. We should really probably <laughs> too many doesn't listen. Y'all exactly. Need to learn about a thing called the incognito tab. It's all it's. The latest thing of the future. Now we're talking. Huh? We'll have to talk offline about this one. So uh, We have something similar at work where if, if you happen to pass away or get injured, uh, your partner's supposed to go to your locker and throw out your f- other phones. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those listening, especially my wife, I do not have another phone. No, 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 no. Not since 97. So. Um, now, is there anything else that we're leaving out here, LP? Because we got to wrap this one up. we got another episode we're doing. Yeah, uh, poor Cajun Inferior to this one, but it should be okay. Uh, I hate to say it, but it's probably right. This uh, is excellent. No, this was a very fun one, man. And uh, we've been wanting to do it for a while, so I'm, I'm glad you finally got a chance to come in, Rich. Um, is there anything upcoming with McDonald and Carney you want to plug? This will come out on Tuesday. Um, I'm going to be on a podcast called American Loser. Now we're talking. <laughs> there you go. Um, no, uh, for those who want to see me, we uh, McDonaldandCarney.com, or you can follow us on Facebook, um, Instagram, all the Twitter. Um, you know, we have uh, our schedules really opening up for the fall with a lot of shows. Yeah, so. it's a, a barring uh, Joe pleading guilty to a couple of crimes. You yeah, he's going to push most off. Probably probation, <laughs> maybe a little house arrest. Okay. Um, but uh, this was an awesome topic. I'm glad you guys had me because there's so many similarities between J. Edgar Hoover and K. Patrick Burke <laughs> that I will be calling you K. Patrick Burke for the rest. K. Uh, Patrick Burke. You know, That's the a, years right. of living we'll with the home with your name. mother. The, the, <laughs> That's right. You know, the rumors of your homosexuality. It's a, just the insane um, passion you have for your field. Well, it's, it's kind of like, um, well, my version, like my second in command, if you will, uh, my, my Tolson, I guess that was the guy's name, right? Um, mm-hmm. My Tolson is Kevin Garifo. Everybody thinks we're gay. You know what I mean? Because I like to hold his hand. We talk to each other. I write songs about him. Um, <laughs> Pet your hair. It's a <laughs> But did we leave anything else out here before we wrap up? No, I think uh, you can you can wrap this one up. Um, I think, again, he's just a great example of a lot of people have heard the name J. Edgar Hoover and know that he was kind of like had some shaky uh, – Shaky doings going on too, but well, when I would really watch my Ninja Turtles, yeah, when I would watch my Ninja Turtles uh, uh, VHS tapes or the GI Joe VHS tapes, Jagger Hoover's signature is at the bottom of the screen for the FBI warning not to duplicate this without explicit permission from you know Hanna Barbera or whatever. <laughs> so that's yeah. so we have all known him our whole lives, but that's the thing, man. But so. hopefully, you know, those who listen who really haven't done their their homework on him realize he made a lot of sacrifices for their safety and to make this country better. Uh, I, I tend to agree. I really do tend to agree. It's um, That being said, guys, uh, this was great. If you guys love the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us out a shitload. We put the live episode up. We had great numbers for that one. I think over 1,300 people have watched that one, which is great. Um, and we're approaching – I want to say we're either into – we're approaching our, our 20,000 listener mark. Uh, listens, I should say. Um, but if you guys want to subscribe to the show, that helps us out as well, boosts our numbers up. I want to keep doing the show for free, guys. It costs me money. All I'm asking for is a goddamn review. Can you help me out, please? Uh, KP Burke sucks at Instagram and Twitter. KP Burke on Facebook. We have a lot of fun there. Uh, my website, I'm sure, is still up. I hope. I don't know. Um, but we're adding stuff for American Loser on that one. Uh, just check out the show. Tell a friend about it, guys. Confront your racist uncle. Tell him all about it. 
LP, thank you for making me love history. Big Rich, thank you for your time today, dude. Uh, Nick, thanks for chilling in the back over here, buddy. Glad to have you. Kahuna, uh, I'm sorry we woke you up early, but I thought this was a good topic. I so. enjoyed it. I had fun. <laughs> it was worth it. Good. Man. So real quick, then I get to go back to whaling after this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're going whaling. Power. Our, our new segment we're going to debut right now, just to wrap up, is uh, there already was a movie. There's a couple of movies made about J. Edgar. Uh, the most recent one is uh, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. But for our new segment here, Kahuna's Casting Couch. Kahuna, who would you have play? Here's a good one. Who would you have play J. Edgar Hoover and uh, Tolson, his, uh, his second in command? All right. For the role of J. Edgar Hoover, I picked Dave Chappelle. <laughs> and then for his second in command, I'm thinking Chris Rock. I thought you should just have uh, Ashy Larry. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's actually, like, there's like, the perfect casting choice was in J. Edgar. Yeah, with, the uh, rules. By the way, Clint Eastwood movie. It's, it's excellent. So, I mean, he, d- oh, yeah, he, he, direct, he wrote, directed, produced, and scored that movie. Yeah, he he was involved with that, but uh, but get yeah, some hobbies. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I I think that that was our per, already perfect casting choice. I'm gonna be a little more prepared for the next one, but I was going next through one's gonna it. Be good. I was going through it, and I was like, who the fuck could play this guy? But like, I always I can't help but think in the parody sense. So that's why I was like Dave Chappelle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wiretapping you, bitch. <laughs> but, guys, uh, again, we love doing this show. So uh, uh, if you're listening, I love you guys. It means a lot to us. Uh, my name was K.P. Burke, and that was J. Edgar Hoover, American Loser. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born. <laughs>